Welcome to the Danny and Love Show. I'm Danny McCall. And I'm Kira Love. And we're here to talk about 50 shades of life, love, and relationships through real life experiences. There is no topic off limits here, people. I'll be sharing my perspective as a gender intelligence, business and relationship coach and health professional. And I'll be keeping it real from a man's perspective and holding her accountable. Oh, careful, baby. That might swing both ways. I wouldn't expect anything less, my love. (laughs) So let's dive into some juicy topics. Oh, yeah, let's go. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kings and queens, froth dogs and frothettes to the Danny and Love Show, podcast episode number one. If you're listening, thanks for joining us. If no one is, well, this was a waste of time. (laughs) You guys might want to strap in. It could be a little bit of a wild ride. We're not sure where this is going to take us, but I will make a recommendation that you may want to pop some headphones in because we have definitely got some juicy topics. There are no topics off limits and there may be some explicit content and language. There will definitely be some explicit language because I swear like a sailor, but I'm going to try my hardest not to because the boss over here has told me to keep it tame. So look, I'll do my very (laughs) best. If you hear a couple of F-bombs or a few other bits and pieces, I do apologize in advance for that. So... So we are going to start at the beginning and and bring some of our journey to life. And then our intention is to bring some gender intelligence topics to life with real life examples. So gender intelligence is about understanding the biological and hormonal differences of men and women and how they instinctually drive us to behave in certain ways in all areas of life, but particularly our relationships. And not only does it help us understand each other better, but this is about helping us to appreciate our differences instead of resisting them the way that we do in relationships, because then we can leverage these differences to bring out the best in one another. We can neutralize the personalization that we bring to challenges in our relationships, and we can create more harmonious, safe, fulfilling, and sexy, juicy relationships. Wow, baby. I was just about to say the exact same thing. You wouldn't read about it. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what she said. So this is all about bringing consciousness to the practice of our relationships and making that choice to grow together. But we really wanted to start at the beginning because we never would have found each other if we hadn't gone through some crazy twists and turns in our lives. And so we're going to start with Danny's rebirth. Babe, do you want to tell us about your rebirthing experience? So, yep, I drew the short straw. I've got to do the first podcast. So here No we- pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. So look, I've never done this before. Um, first time but I'm going to try and explain it all to you and share with you guys what pretty much changed my life about two, three years ago with a few uh, really close mates of mine. And yeah, look, hopefully you guys all get something out of it or at least enjoy the story anyway. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. So look, to, might as well take it from the top. So about two or three years ago, I was going through a really dark time in my life. You know, the mother of my children and I had been in this toxic on and off again relationship for about 10 years. 
and it was really affecting me. It was affecting the kids too. We've got um, two kids together, uh, Chase and Chloe, little girl who's five, and Chase who's about ten almost, I think. Is he ten? Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway. Really? Yeah, so look, it was... Um, it was it was a tough time. I'd been dealing with a lot of other stuff as well, you know. I broke my neck in 2005 and as a result of that I needed a couple of discs replaced. So I was going through surgeries. I was constantly in pain, you know. I it was it was tough. I was on medicinal marijuana. I was, you know, I was I was having a good time trying to numb my mind and my body from pretty much life in general. So look, um I'm pretty lucky that I've got some really close friends and family around me and I knew that as well. So I was happy to share with a couple of really close friends of mine, uh, husband and wife, Theo and Dunya. If you guys are listening, big shout out to y'all. And look, they sort of led me on this journey and they both sort of, I was, I was pouring my heart out, bawling my eyes out one day, telling them fucking blah, 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 poor me, poor me. And they both sort of looked at each other and said, look, you need a rebirth. So I was like, yeah, cool. What the fuck's a rebirth? <laughs> so for those listening, this you've described this many times to me as your absolute rock bottom moment in life. It was coincidentally around your 40th birthday as well, which is a common time for men to kind of really hit that pivotal moment in their life. And I know for me, there's a saying that I really love and it's, I trust life because of its curveballs. And I know for me, the rock bottom moments in my life really have been the realigning moments that have brought the greatest redirections. So maybe you can delve a little bit into what the rebirth experience was like for those who are feeling like they're at their rock bottom. And what was it about the experience that changed your life so dramatically? Well, it's funny you mentioned the whole uh, 40 because I remember specifically the day I had my meltdown was my 40th birthday. I was actually on a job site and everyone's saying, oh, happy birthday, happy birthday. And I'm just like fucking losing it in my head. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, I remember that morning specifically, I went down into the car and I was wigging out and I, I called Theo and he was just like, dude, come here, you know. So I dropped everything. I went and saw him at Dunya and they... um they organised, facilitated, paid for the whole journey for myself, Dingo, Theo, Honey, and another mate, Paulie. And so what that entailed is, you know, once a month the five of us would come down to Byron Bay, we'd stay at their house and, you know, we'd sleep there for the whole weekend. We'd get down there early Saturday morning, rock up to the yoga studio, meet up with either um, Dunya or this crazy lady, Daisy. She was epic. She meowed like a cat, FYI. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, hey, that was uh, an experience in its own. Um, so, yeah, look, we stayed down in Byron Bay and ate vegan food um, and we learnt all about the spiritual side of life, which was all the first for me anyway. You know, I'd, I'd never done crystals and fairies and all that sort of cool stuff before. But, um, yeah, so day one, we sort of rocked into the studio nice and early. We met up with Daisy. She gave us a couple of meows. And then next thing, you got five heavily tattooed men waving their arms around, dancing like a bunch of fucking idiots um, to some drums that are getting beaded, breathing like, uh, yeah, doing some breath work. And I know that you've 
shared how powerful that breath work was and that you had some pretty vivid and powerful memories come up um, that, you know, were from your childhood. Yeah, look, um, breath work is amazing. If you haven't tried it, you know, like um, I've done a lot of guided meditations and breath work now and every time I've done some really proper breath work I have had like and you might have heard this before and just rolled your eyes but dead set I have had out of body experiences and it's really cool you know like I've had some bad ones but I've had some really cool ones too um so look this whole rebirth it's funny you know like all five of us had the one thing in common that we had childhood trauma that all revolved around our fathers so look, I won't get into hardcore detail about that because obviously the other four boys, it's not none of my business to be sharing that with. And you know, like my childhood trauma was about around me and my father and my childhood. And you know, I had a toxic childhood with my dad. He used to drink too much and got a bit too physical with me. And you know, like everyone's got a story, but this is my one. And yeah, so I had to deal with that. So, look, um, here I am on the floor of a yoga studio in some deep trance, reliving some crazy shit that was going down. And I was I was inconsolable, you know, like I wasn't in that yoga studio anymore. I was 10 years old doing my thing and there's the old boy. And, and um, Daisy came over and she put her hand on my heart and brought me back into the room and next thing all I could hear was fucking all the other boys doing the exact same thing fucking mate one of them was screaming the other one was crying it was fucking full on well for our listeners it's probably not sounding too enticing at this point especially if you're at your rock bottom but you know that's what they say about personal growth is sometimes it's called doing the work and so what was it that that you know, came through on the other side that was the big release for you that made that journey so worthwhile? Look, you're spot on. Look, it, it doesn't sound enticing the way I'm describing it, but, you know, the one thing about childhood trauma and stuff like that is the only way you can let it go is you've got to, you've got to face it head on. You've got to experience it. You've got to accept it and you've got to release it, you know? I'd been numbing myself from facing it, dealing with it for 35 years to the point of it was it was unconsciously ruining my life and and making me a person that I didn't want to be. So, you know, now that I'm a father and I've I'm not a child in a scallywag anymore, you know, I'd had enough. So um and yeah. I know, I know, I remember you sharing that you did a specific, I think it was a journaling practice that kind of wrapped a bow around the experience and allowed you, because it's not just about facing it, it's this, the secret really is then letting it go and leaving it in your past and even finding some gratitude and beauty in the trauma and the lessons that it can be for us because I know for you, I mean, the lesson for me is extremely clear. You're the most phenomenal father um, because, you know, they say our voids become our values. Um, but maybe you can share a little bit about um, that practice that kind of brought it home for you, that healing. Yeah, baby, most definitely. So um, that was the final piece of the puzzle. It was called Seven Days of Forgiveness. So just to recap on me and my dad, my old boy. So look, we pretty much 
have been estranged or had been estranged for a good 20 fucking almost 30 years. You know, like I'd, I'd never forgiven him or dealt with it. You know, as soon as I was old enough to leave home, I was out of there and I didn't have a hell of a lot to do with him. He didn't really know his grandchildren and, you know, like all I, I just, I wanted, I wanted him to hurt like I hurt. So the beautiful thing about this seven days of forgiveness was it changed my whole concept of how I thought about it. You know, I didn't, instead of trying to hold him accountable and and hurting him and making him sad by owning it and all this other stuff, I had to sit there and for seven days, and this is coming from someone who probably hasn't written since he left school, you know, I've typed a few text messages and sent a few emails, but as far as picking up pen to paper, this was uh, a pretty rare thing for me. So I had to write uh, in a journal for seven days consecutively. I can't even remember how many times it was, but fucking heaps. And I remember, it's funny, the first day I remember messaging Dunya when I was about a quarter of the way through. I think I'd done about a third of it and it took me that long to do that I even messaged her because I did the math. I was like, well, it's taken me this long to do this. Times that by this long. I said, mate, this is going to take me 48 hours to write. I'm still going to be doing this tomorrow before I'm supposed to be doing tomorrow's. And I remember her just messaging me, just going, just stick with it. It gets easier. And what I had to write was, um, I, Danny, now forgive dad. He now forgives dad. We now forgive dad. Mm, And yeah, man. I just had full body goosebumps from that one. Hardcore. So I had to write that. I think it was like fucking 74 times, each line 74 times. So, and I had to do that every single day for seven days. The first day was literally like pulling fucking teeth. It was the hardest thing I think at the time I thought I had ever done. Day two, a little bit easier. Day three was epic. Day four, I literally set my alarm so I could get up early and do it. I was that frothing on it. By the time I got to day seven, I was there just going, now what? Now what do I do? Like, and since then, the, the very next thing, I went out and bought a, a journal. I, I never knew how powerful writing your shit down could be, you know? Like, even if it's good stuff, bad stuff, whatever, you just get it out. Get it down on paper. If it's bad shit, fucking rip it out, burn it, let it release it, you know? Mm, so what was the lesson that came out of that journaling practice? My lesson for that was, well, first and foremost, I forgave my dad. You write something that many times for seven fucking days. I think it's actually science. Repetition of anything, you start believing it. You do anything that, I think I think it's a hundred times. You do anything a hundred times, it becomes real. So I don't know how many times I wrote that, but I wrote that that many times that I just fucking forgave him. So, um, yeah, and look, also I remember a really important conversation I was having with Dingo. You know, Dingo was my my rock when I was going through the, the rock bottom before we sort of even started the rebirth. There was a couple of times I was just, you know, he sort of reached out to me and said, look, Danny boy, if ever you're going through a bit of shit, you flick me a message. And I remember one day, man, he he, he lives fucking, you know, all the way up in New, like Tweed pretty much, up near the Tweed border. I was living in Ashmore at the time, you know, a good probably hour drive, peak hour traffic. And I remember he rang me. I didn't even reach out to him. He rang me and it was just like he knew. And I was I was having a, one of my spiralling moments thinking about this, getting in my own head, doing my head in. And he goes, oi, I'll see you soon. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, mate, I'm coming down. Mate, he came down to my house 
brought his boxing gloves, his pads, and, mate, we just punched it out. And then we sat there and I remember having – I remember it so specific. We're having this conversation and he said to me, he said, look, what do you want to get out of meeting with your dad? And I said to him, I said, I want to hold him accountable. I want him to answer for what he did to me. And, um, and I remember him saying to me that what have you got to accomplish by making an old man sad? Mm. And, yeah, that, that really rocked me. You know, and then I, I thought about it for a bit and I was like, you're right. You know, he goes, instead of holding him accountable and making him sad, why don't you try and understand why he did mm. what he did? I love that. And so as a consequence of this journey and, and that moment with Dingo, you now have a really fruitful relationship with your dad, but so does your children. And so you've gained so much more by just dropping the ego and returning to love and and seeing your dad with loving eyes and trying to understand him rather than trying to force him to understand you and how it was for you. Yeah, baby. Like I'm so grateful that I everything that I did exactly when I did it, the way I did it and how it all unfolded, it all just it was like clockwork. So, you know, like once I'd finished the rebirth, I'd done my seven days of forgiveness. I changed my whole mindset of what I wanted to accomplish from this whole journey. I reached out to him and I said, and, and look, he, he actually reached out to me during the journey. And I said to him, I said, look, I'm doing some stuff. I was kind of, I was pretty vague, but I told him, look, it's got a lot to do with you and I. And when I come out the other end, I really want to catch up. And he said, look, son, all good. You just let me know when you're ready. So once it was all said and done, I reached out to him and I said, look, I've finished my journey and I'd really like to catch up, um, just you and me. I, I invited him around. I cooked a couple of uh, porterhouse steaks and veggies and we sat there and we cracked a beer. And look, we, we sat down and I just I, I explained everything that we went through and, you know, like and, and what my version of events of my childhood and, and how it made me feel and how it's affected me throughout my entire life into, into adulthood and even to being a father of my own now. And he just cried, you know. My, my dad's a tough old dude and, you know, he sat there and he just, he, what, what more could he say? But I'm so sorry, you know. Like I love you and I wish if I could take it back I would and all this. And I said, look, you know, like... I'm just trying to understand why, you know, what was your childhood like? And he said, mate, and this is so classic of, you know, like I was born in the 80s, my dad's old school South Island Kiwi bloke. And, you know, like he said, Dan, that's all I knew. That's mm. how my parents raised me. So that's how I raised you. And I think the the most beautiful thing of this whole journey is that in this day and age, People can be that conscious that, you know, we don't have to just follow what we've been brought up with, you know. It's all about breaking the chain because before that, I'm sure his parents were raised that way and before that, you know, and so on. So you break the chain, you become conscious parents and, you know, it's generational, you know, and our kids will benefit and our grandkids will benefit and... I certainly know I've benefited because now my dad, I speak to him three times a week. There's a belief that when you heal, you heal seven generations. And that's certainly been such a driver for me in, in healing my own childhood trauma 
And I think one of the key concepts in being able to move forward is returning to love and truly seeing and believing in your heart that your parents did their best. They were always doing their best with what they knew at the time. And for me, that concept has just been so incredibly healing. Yeah, baby. Couldn't agree more. So look, all in all, me and my dad were super close now. He's awesome. I see him all the time. He picks the kids up for school sometimes. You know, the kids love him. And, you know, that's all I could ask for. My dad, he's an old dude now. And the worst thing I could imagine is him passing away and us not ha- us still having unfinished business. So, yeah, that's the rebirth journey, which was the start of the rest of my life, pretty much. And then you manifested me. And then I manifested you. <laughs> I do have to say, though, that without that experience, we often joke about how there would be no hope in hell that we would have we would have connected and aligned with our values. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I know for me, I was really looking for that man that was really masculine, but who just had that touch of sensitivity to have the ability to go beyond ego and, you know, that had just that little bit of depth, enough depth. That's what I was really ready for and searching for and had been really longing for in my world because I was ready to go deeper. And I think that's exactly what I saw in you when we met and we kind of discussed these experiences and, and where we were at and what we were looking for and where we wanted to go in life. Yeah. And I pretty much told her exactly what she wanted to hear until she <laughs> fell in love with me. And she ticked all the boxes too. And then the work began. (laughs) She had pretty faith, blonde hair, great ass. All right, I'd better lie through my teeth. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, no, we we connected on a a very spiritual level before we um, fell in love. I think it's safe to say that you were the first person I've ever dated for, I think, what was it, two months before we... Sealed the deal, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Details. But you were worth it, baby. Worth the wait. You know, one thing I want to say is we're we're absolutely a normal couple and we have our disagreements, but what is different about this experience for me is that on the other side of our disagreements, because of the work we've done, we're able to take ownership of our stuff. And, you know, we're not perfect, but... For the first time for me in a relationship, we are both not a, not just able to take responsibility, but we're always transcending to a new level through every challenge. And every challenge has essentially brought us closer and deeper in our connection and our yeah. understanding of one another. And that was so important to me because that consistent growth and evolution is just, it's in my DNA to strive for that. I can't stand still with someone. It just drives me crazy. Yep, and she's constantly dragging me up with her. So <laughs> you have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't change it for the world. Love you, baby. Uh, one of the things that I'm just remembering talking about ego is um, I remember one of our first really big disagreements, and this was before we moved in together. And I was on my cycle, and I was being particularly sensitive. And you know, for the most part, I'm pretty good at going first, and you know, remembering nothing good comes from closing. And, <coughs> <Bullshit>. and <laughs> sorry, I got a cough. 
Um, but I was, you know, we both dug our heels in. We, we were both being really stubborn. And I remember taking off and, and just standing in the shower crying and just thinking, you know, maybe what I'm looking for, maybe it's not possible. Maybe it's an illusion. Maybe I'm searching for something that that isn't real, that doesn't exist when it comes to men. And, and then in that moment, you walked in and you actually stepped into the shower and you wrapped your arms around me and you just chose to go first and really hold that space for me because I was the one that was, I guess, more in need in that moment. And it was one of the most profound and healing and transformative moments for me because it was the first time that I could ever remember a man choosing to be and do that for me. And um, yeah, it was it was a real moment and probably one of those moments that I realized that this was the relationship that I could uh, see myself, you know, growing in and that it was going to be just that equal commitment to growth. And so I did write a little, I don't know if you remember, but I, I remember writing a, a chapter for my love lessons book and maybe I'll come on another <laughs> podcast and read the lessons that came out of that. But, you know, transcending ego and returning to love, it's something that adults, we find so difficult. We, we so effortlessly continually choose forgiveness and love when it comes to our children. But at what point do we put that block up when it comes to our partnerships? Yeah, baby, I couldn't agree more. I actually remember that moment specifically. And, you know, like me, I've, I've always been such an ego-driven person and I never, the old me never would have done that. I would have fucking gone down with the ship just to be right and not wrong. But... You know, like I, I love you, and I loved you, and that's when I, I remember. I that's when I first knew that I loved you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing in the world I wanted was for you to be in there crying. So that felt right mm-hmm. as to what I should do. And so, I guess I, I want to wrap this up by just you know, hopefully this has inspired you to, you know, want to do the work on the places that are really holding you back from unlocking your fullest potential in life and and our relationships and the depth that we are able to connect really brings a lot of that fulfillment and joy to life. And I believe that we can choose consciously in our relationships that that is the place that we go and we choose to heal each other. And I, I do want to say that it is never our partner's job to heal us. It is always our our work to heal ourselves. But what we can choose to do for our partners is choose to participate in their healing. And, you know, Danny and I, we have such a good understanding now of each other's wounds and triggers. And I would have to say that we're pretty triggering to each other's There's wounds. There's a few of them. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Relationships are, you know, the ground where we do our deepest spiritual work. Don't I, let I, Instagram I fool you. We're human. <laughs> I certainly believe that. But what we have gotten better and better at is really just holding compassion and space for one another to understand where those wounds come from and and how we can be that safe place for healing whilst keeping each other accountable so that we can really just bring each other's best out. And um, there's this beautiful quote that I read yesterday that I love so much, and it's that a woman's highest calling is to lead a man to his soul so as to unite him with source. 
And a man's highest calling is to protect a woman so she is free to walk the earth unharmed. And, you know, this is certainly the quest that I am on is to be the most radiant version of myself so as to inspire you to be the best version of yourself and ladies you cannot force a man to change he has to he has to choose change himself but what we can do is be an invitation an inspiration through our radiance where he consciously chooses his growth and that path for himself the more you try and change us the harder it's gonna be (laughs) trust me (laughs) but Exactly what Kira just said. You've got to you've got to make us want to by the way you carry yourself. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? I don't know, baby. You're telling the story. Oh, You're the man. Yeah. <laughs> Checkmate. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope that this has added value. It's I think a nice little introduction to understanding Danny a little bit better, and and maybe I'll come on a podcast in the future episodes and share what kind of led me to choosing this path. And I hope I didn't swear too much and I hope my story made sense and I podcasted good. (laughs) (laughs) We will keep getting better. But, yeah, we would love your – we would certainly love um, to hear if this ignited something in you. Um, We are by no means trauma coaches, but sometimes through sharing our stories we can normalise what others are feeling and experiencing too. And, look, if that can help one person out there – then it was well worth it. So I think it's really important to add a little caveat in here. Forgiveness, what we're saying is forgiveness is all about setting yourself free so that you can move on to the most incredible life that you were born to experience. And I can't think of any circumstance where forgiveness should mean allowing toxic behavior back into your life. So we only encourage this reconnection if that feels more fruitful than holding on to the resentment of past grievances. Exactly right, baby. The only reason I reconnected with my dad is because he'd done the healing and done the work and wasn't the man that he used to be. Uh, The whole process that I went through had absolutely nothing to do with him to start with. It was all about me releasing my own wounds and my own childhood trauma so I could be the best version of myself. That was just an added bonus, so don't forget that. So thanks for listening. Podcast number one, done and dusted. Take 6,494. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Like, share, and subscribe. Any input, slide into our DMs. <laughs> You've always wanted to say that. That's so true, I have. But seriously, DM us over on Instagram if you have any comments or hot topics you would like us to discuss and tune in next episode. See you then.